0: Put it in writing. Put it in writing. When, when something is being proposed to us or there's something important that we want to remember and abide by, contracts, various things, we, we put them in writing so that the stipulations or the can be remembered so that both sides can be sure that they're keeping with the original agreement. I mean, it happens in contracts, sure. It happens when you buy a house. It happens in job descriptions. Laws, way too many of them. You know, we have 48,000 laws because we can't keep 10. Um, (laughs) Books, all disputes are settled by what is in written form. We've talked already about church councils over the years and how they would address errors and come to conclusions and put in writing those conclusions so that the church is protected, so that the church is edified, so that your truth is preserved. They would say in summary form, this is a summary, this teaching is an error and this is why and this is what the truth is. And see, in this sense, heresy or error benefits the church. At least in one way, right? It causes the church to dig into the word. We saw James eventually pointing the church to the word in fulfillment in the decision they made in the Jerusalem council. But the, the, the errors that come along and the heresies that come along, and by the way, there's nothing new under the sun. They cause the church to get together, to dig, to ask what is the truth, to work to a conclusion, and then to preserve that conclusion in writing. God has put his truth in writing for us. And this is the judge. This is the standard. This is the rule of faith and practice. This is what we have to look to and abide by if we're going to know God and love Him and glorify Him in life. But He's also given us many books and councils and decisions and church history to preserve the truth and guide us into the truth. Many of those writings were spurred by controversy. And so the church would address that controversy. The apostles would address that controversy and write a response and put it in writing for the church. We see that happening today. Many of our letters in the New Testament are simply responses to error and teaching the truth. The Word of God preserved for us. So that's what we see today. The church has made a decision. There's, there's a, a problem going on, and the church has made a decision about the Gentiles and whether or not they should be circumcised, whether or not it's justification by faith alone for Jew and Gentile or not. We've already seen that and worked through that in the first part of the chapter. Um, but today they're going to pr- publish that decision. But let me back up a little bit. Where are we at? Well, you know, in Acts, the book of Acts, we're studying through Acts. So just a little refresher. The one word summary we chose for the book of Acts is witness. Coming from Acts 1.8, you see Jesus promising the church, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, other most parts of the earth. So we've seen the the witness of the church go through, through persecution and through plan. It is expanding. It is going out into the world. Churches are being planted because people are being converted. And a large portion of this is happening among the Gentiles. And that is in fulfillment to God's promises so we've come all the way down we've seen the persecution through saul and we'll see saul the major uh um, point or our focus of the book from the rest rest of the book of acts we've seen the church be birthed in antioch and then the church become a healthy thriving mission sending church paul and barnabas are sent out on the first missionary journey and many churches are planted many souls are saved gentiles are coming to faith in jesus Um, he's finished the first missionary journey there back in Antioch when, you know, darkness is always trying to stick its nose in the tent of the righteous, right? Here comes this controversy. These men come in teaching that if Gentiles are to be saved, if Gentiles are to be justified, they must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. And so they... They went to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas. They met with the apostles and elders. There was much discussion over this matter. And they've come to a conclusion. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For all people, Jew and Gentile. And they're publishing a letter and they're sending that letter back to the church in Antioch with an answer to the question. The church has gotten together. They have made a decision in the authority of Christ through his apostles and published that decision for the church's building up. And so today I titled the sermon Letters and Long Sermons because all of that's here. Letters and Long Sermons. And the main point, we're going to look at verses 22 to 35 uh, quickly. We've already covered some of this in the first half of the chapter. Uh, But we're going to look and see that in order to grow and be protected from error, the church needs the truth written and taught. Two words, written and taught. In order to grow and be protected from error, the church needs the truth written and taught. Let's look at first at the uh, the truth delivered in writing in verses 22 to 29. It says this in verse 22, it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send them you could say back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas because Paul and Barnabas had come from Antioch they've come from this with this question there's a contingent there teaching that gentiles have to be circumcised they've come now they have an answer but it wouldn't it's wise to send other men back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Think about it. I mean, if just Paul and Barnabas go back, the people who were opposing them, you know, might say, ah, well, you know, we already said we don't agree with you or believe you. We're not even sure what happened. So the church sends two other respected men uh, back with Paul and Barnabas to relay the decision of the church through the apostles and elders, really through the Scripture and, and the apostles and elders. But it says that they sent back with, with Paul and Barnabas uh, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas. And Silas is the same person as you read your scriptures who is called Silvanus. And he becomes a very important partner in missions with the Apostle Paul later. And we'll see that as we, as we move on in the text. You'll see him him going out after there's a disturbance. John Mark's not taken. Barnabas and Paul separate. Silas goes with Paul instead of Barnabas. So sort of taking his place. But we'll work through all that when we get there. But the church sends these leading men back with Paul and Barnabas to, to give testimony to the fact that the news that Paul and Barnabas are bringing back is the truth that was decided upon. So they go back. Down. It's, it says they go up to Jerusalem. You know that Syria, Antioch in Syria is north, but geographically down. So we would probably say north, but that's the way it was referred to in that day. Um, and they sent them with the following letter. Look, the, they, they didn't just send them with, with word of mouth. They sent them with an official letter, official recording of what the decisions were. And we've already seen that referred to as we we looked at the first part of the chapter. But it says the brothers, both the apostles and elders to the brothers. Verse 23, "who who are of the Gentiles. So this was guarding the question of the Gentiles. In Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings, greetings, since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds although we gave them no instructions so that the reports come back these men have come out of Jerusalem and they've caused great confusion in the church we need to be careful about that are we spreading truth or are we spreading error when, we, when we're talking about scripture but these men have spread great confusion in the church and the apostles are saying we did not tell them we did not send them with that message The message that Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be saved. We did not send that message. Although it confused you, it caused you great stress. And we have heard about it, so we are responding to it. It says in verse 25, It seemed good to us having come to one accord. Notice that, one accord. They're not in a Honda. (laughs) They've come to a unanimous decision. Which is cool. The testimony of God and the Spirit working in His church. That Although there were differences of opinion when the discussion started. Through the discussion and through James applying the word to the discussion. They have come to one accord. That can happen. It's not just a majority decision here. They've come to one accord. And it says, we've come to one accord to choose men, verse 25. And send them to you with our beloved Notice how they're speaking about Barnabas and Paul. They want to make sure that they understand who's being supported here. Our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many in the church today risking their lives to speak out for the Lord Jesus. It says, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. So letter, word of mouth, witnesses, two witnesses, establishing every fact, Old Testament law. We won't go there. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Notice how they're saying the Holy Spirit was at work in our meetings. It's not just a man's decision, but God has helped us to understand his scripture, see how it applies to this situation, and we're publishing that decision to you. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you, you can say Gentiles right there, no greater burden than these requirements. And we said it last week, their, their command is to abstain from idolatry in, in all its forms and, and not to be an unnecessary burden to, to uh, Jewish believers, certainly not to dishonor God's name. But they say that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols. And Paul even talks about that. You read Corinthians. If you, if they tell you it's food, eat food without qualm. People are serving you food, eat it without, you know, worrying about it. But if they say it's been sacrificed to an idol, for conscience' sake, not your own, but those who are, you know, you're seeking to witness to, don't partake of it. Don't be unnecessarily offensive to people, right? Don't let your freedom be an offense to others. Said said that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols from blood. You know, in the Jewish scriptures, it was blood. The life is in the blood. We know in foreshadowing and pictures, the blood of Christ and his sacrifice. They were not allowed to drink blood or eat meat with the blood in it. It says so from blood and what has been strangled. In other words, the blood wasn't drained out. It was that animal was killed in idolatrous worship. Um, and from sexual immorality and in all its forms, obviously, but especially in, in that context, the, the sexual immorality that was in mixed in with the worship of the culture, the idolatry of the culture, the cult prostitutes and all of that sort of thing. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do, do well. So they're writing to them. They're giving them a decision. They're they're of course instructing them to walk by the word and to uh, although they are free from the ceremonial law to be careful not to be an offense because the gospel is the most important thing and love for brethren is the most important thing. But they're giving them a letter, a letter that could be referred back to, a letter that could be reread, a letter that could be pointed to if this ever pops up again. And the restrictions here in this letter are twofold. Obviously, to, to avoid all participation in idolatry, which was the culture, right? We, none of How many times have you had somebody come over to your house with meat and say, this was sacrificed to an idol, let's eat it. You know, culturally, the idols are different, but that was happening, you know, the meat markets and everything associated with the idol temples. Um, but the restrictions are twofold to avoid all participation in idolatry. Not to offend God, number one, and not to offend Jewish believers. And this letter that they have written, and this is sort of, this shows us the pattern that I was talking about earlier. There's a problem, they come to a decision, they write a letter, and that letter becomes part of Scripture. We're reading it in Scripture, right? That's what happens in a lot of the New Testament letters. Many, many other letters, read 1st Corinthians, read Galatians, read, you know, you name it. Uh, Colossians, others are addressing error and correcting error and instructing the church. So the church obviously needed more than just word of mouth. The church needed word in written form. And that's what the church in Jerusalem sent to Antioch in Syria was uh, the witness of the apostles. On the issue. And if you want more on the issue. Listen to last week. Because we talked about that a lot. But they've they've seen that justification by faith alone is true for Jew and Gentile. We, we are saved through trusting Christ. And trusting Christ alone. We repent and trust Christ. And we are saved. We don't have to be circumcised and sacrifice sheep and all that stuff. Old Testament. Anymore. So the truth is settled. The truth is published. The truth is delivered. Right? And so we see the truth delivered through preaching and teaching, you could say, but this is the second point that you see in verse 30. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together. Notice I've made this point before. There's a congregation to gather together. The church is organized. It has elders. It has leaders. It's not just everybody flying by the seat of their britches and doing, doing what they think is right. You know, if you avoid going to church and you stay home and you just have worship with your family on the Lord's Day, that's not church. Unless you have to do that. God's church is organized. It is powerful. It has leaders. It has a mission. And they're accomplishing that mission. So they, when they go back to Syria, they don't just go visit all these homes. They gather the congregation together. There's a congregation Together. 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 And they gather them and they read this letter. And this, remember what he said earlier. This has been a point of severe stress in the church. And the Gentiles don't know what to do. The Jews probably at that point thought they were winning the discussion. And then back comes this letter. So they gathered them together, it says in verse 30, and they delivered the letter. And look at this. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Let's see the guys. You don't have to be circumcised as converts to Christ. They rejoiced. The Word brings encouragement. The Gospel brings encouragement. The truth brings encouragement and stability and strength. And so when it's been read to them by not just Paul and Barnabas, but by the others as well, they are encouraged by it. How many times when we're discouraged, this is just a side point, I will just point this to you and leave. How many times when you're discouraged do you run first to the Word of God? That should be our habit. Run first to the throne of grace, seek God in His Word, receive encouragement. Moving on. Verse 31. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, already talked about that, Point you back, encouraged and strengthened the brothers. Now watch this. They encouraged and strengthened the brethren, the church, the congregation that is gathered with many words. You know what that means? Long sermon. Long sermons are biblical. Praise God. It's hard to say anything worth anything in 15 or 20 minutes. Sermonettes make Christianettes. That's not original with me. They had encouraged them with many words. They were strengthening them from the Word of God. They were with them a long time, and you see that a lot. I mean, think of it. You think I preach long sermons. Paul preached all night, so long somebody fell out of the window. Had to pray and have them revived. But they encouraged them with many words, and the New American Standards actually says long sermon. So that's what it means. They're they're teaching the truth. They've read the letter and now they're going over the discussion and they're teaching the truth of all of the Old Testament signs and ceremonies and how they point to Christ and are all fulfilled in Christ. And that salvation is by faith alone. They're teaching the gospel fundamentals to them and building them up. Why? To protect them from the next onslaught that will come and to establish them in the truth. They're together, they're rejoicing, they're encouraged, they're being fed, they're being taught, they're growing. And it says this in verse 33, After some time they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. If you have an older translation that has a verse 34 in it, it's only witnessed by a couple of of manuscripts and none of the oldest manuscripts have that in them. So that's why it's not in the ESV, it's in the margin. It says that, you know, verse 34, but it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But that's not well testified to the old witnesses. So that's why it's missing in some of the newer translations. Nobody's trying to get rid of the Word of God. Oh me. Then verse, verse 35, the, the Paul, si, Judas and Silas are not the only ones preaching long sermons. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch in contrast to those who left, teaching and preaching the Word Now watch this, with many others, a lot of teachers, a lot of preachers, the words being taught, they are ministering to the people, they are building them up in Christ, building them up in the Word of God, all as a result of this controversy that fired up. It just led, just like every other attempt of the evil one, it just led to more strength and more growth in the church. They're teaching the truth that backed up the decision of the council. They're teaching them the full council of God. They are teaching them the Word and how everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled by Christ in the New. That we're under a new covenant, not the most, not the old covenant. Same overarching covenant, obviously, covenant of grace. Different discussion. But you see this habit, this pattern in many of the New Testament letters and in many of the councils of the church down through the ages. Error tries to creep into the church. The church doesn't just willy nilly write it off, they discuss it and work through it and publish decisions describing what is error and what is truth, what is heresy, what is in gospel accord. And that's what has happened here. Error has actually led, must be very frustrating to be the evil one in opposition to God's church. Error has led to growth because the church has seen the error for what it is, have routed it out, have taught the truth in response, and now the word's just being taught more and more and more in Antioch, and the church is being built up. It's really cool to watch how God is building his church in the book of Acts and that no matter how much persecution or error tries to destroy the work, God is watching over and protecting and providing for his church through the leaders he's appointed, through the word that he has given. And remember the the word the word, the New Testament is being written at this time through the witness of the apostles by the Holy Spirit. So that we'll come to the place where they have a full full Bible like we do. But a couple of things, as we, as we think about what's happened, as we think about the discussion and think about justification by faith alone, think about the decision. There is one gospel. Jew and Gentile both need this gospel. Listen, the Jews are not in a special different category and privilege. Jews need the gospel. Gentiles need the gospel. None righteous. No, not one. Romans 3. One gospel for all people. And salvation is through faith in Christ and faith alone. It is a free gift in Jesus. Revealed in the Word. Mike brought out reading Psalm 19. You know, nature doesn't tell us the Gospel. Nature nature clearly screams to us, there's a God. Every facet of it is shouting the glory of God. And if we don't see that, it's because sin has darkened our eyes. But nature doesn't preach Christ to us. We need special revelation. We need the Word. Jesus himself came and through his apostles, we need the word to preach salvation to us that is found in Christ. But see, this is just a fundamental point from what we see in this text that at least some of us live like we don't believe. Some of us live like we don't believe this. I'm not saying you don't have a Bible. I'm asking you, do you read it? We need the truth in written permanent form. We need every bit of God's revelation. Listen, you come to faith, you're under you're in the new don't throw half your Bible away. You need the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. But you need the truth in written form, not just to sit on your shelf. I I heard a crazy lady one time on TV talking about take the Bible, put it under your pillow when you sleep. So it'll, I guess it's supposed to soak through. I don't know. That's just going to give you a neck ache. That's all that's going to do. The Bible needs to be not under your pillow, but in your heart. That your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? Because I love you and I don't want to sin against you. that I might not sin against you. We need the Bible. We need to be in the Bible. We have time to be in the Bible. We're just spending it somewhere else. A tweet is not going to sanctify us. A Facebook page or a Snapchat or a whatever. And I'm not saying don't ever do those things, but put them in their proper place. We need the Word in us. And listen, we also need other writings in us. The witness of the church down through the ages. Good books. You can be discipled by Charles Spurgeon or Martin Luther or you know, R.C. Sproul. or You name, name some of the heroes of the faith. But you have to read most of the time to do that. To be healthy, we, we have to be readers. I'm not a reader. I'm an auditory learner. Well, it's funny. God gave you a book. If He can raise Christ from the dead, if He can hang the stars in the sky, certainly He can help you become a reader. Don't expect if you, it's not your habit to be good at it at first. You have to work for it. Your attention span has to be stretched. Uh, Our quick culture trains us to only be able to handle little bites, doesn't it? We have to fight against that. But to be healthy, we need the Bible. We need other good books. We need to be up on the major controversies in church history and how the church responded. There's nothing new under the sun. You need church history. The history of theology as well as the church history. Because think about it, when Jehovah's Witnesses, I've said this before, when Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door, that's nothing new. That's ancient heresy, Arianism, condemned by the church long ago. You can be ready for that by reading that. But listen, if you want to reach cultists, I don't know why i well, I do know why I'm, if you want to reach cultists, know your Bible. Don't spend all your time studying their stuff. You can study enough of it to know where they're coming from. But the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, The whoever's who come to your door, they need Jesus. Keep that the main focus when you talk to them. But be passionate about church history. You need the Word written. You need the truth written and you have it. Everything necessary for life and godliness through knowing Him, through His Word, Peter says. He said, this is more valuable than being eyewitnesses with us on the Mount of Transfiguration. This, a sure word of prophecy. This is what you need. This is what you have. You need to be systematically in this book every day growing in grace. Not get up in the morning, oh Lord, what's the word for the day? Oh, there it is. You need to be in the Word. You have the Word. But you need to be taught the Word. Secondly, coming out of what you see in in Acts chapter 15. We need the truth taught and preached. And that's one of the other things about church being organized by God and leaders and teachers put in place. You don't need to listen to just anybody. Just like physically, you eat food at home. You need to spiritually eat most of your food at home in the church God has led you to. Where you know the people and trust them and know that they love you and that they're... They're going to teach you the Word of God. I'm not saying don't listen to other people, but you need the truth taught and preached. You need long sermons. (laughs) Preaching is primary means of grace. I did not make that up. That's God's idea. Not private devotions. Your private devotions are not the primary means of grace. You need them. You need to be in the Word daily. But something special happens when we gather on the Lord's Day. God's Spirit is at work in a way that He's not at work any other time in any other place. To deliver us from ourselves, right? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus, grow in grace. The Spirit is powerfully at work. Now, I understand special grace for those who can't be in corporate worship. We need to minister to them and help them. But most of us can. The primary means of grace is the word preached. Lord's Day worship, gathered in His presence. And gathered to hear from Him. And I keep going back to this because it's, it's becoming more and more rare. You need, verse 32, you need long sermons. You need not to, I can remember doing this going growing up. Church was the most miserable place I ever went. Because I didn't know Jesus and my mom kept pinching me. Because <laughs> I made noise and moved around. So yes, watching, watching the clock. But we need to be looking and passionate about the truth. And wherever you go, you may not always be here, and I know you had to put up with a lot here. But wherever you go, whatever you're listening to, if you're in a solid church that loves Jesus and teaching you the Word, there's truth there for you to grow in grace from. Because it's God ministering to you through the instrument of a servant. As long as it's a sound biblical church, right? And that's the fight you have to make. Because not every church is a sound biblical church. And there's a lot of people you shouldn't be listening to. I call these people out all the time. I'll call them out again. Word of faith is one of the biggest places you should not be listening. I mean, Cochlin, Hagen, Claire Dollar, Osteen, Joseph Prince, lots of people, Joyce Meyer. There's lots of people you shouldn't be listening to, but there's a lot of solid people you can be listening to. In the controversy over circumcision, the Word settled the issue. Justification by faith alone is biblical. We come to Christ. So here's what a healthy diet looks like. We need a healthy diet. Here's what it looks like. Privately, word read, memorized, meditated on, discussed, shared. We grow through all of those. You know, you grow every time you try to witness to somebody and share the Word with them. God's at work not only planting seeds in their heart, but growing you and helping you. But how are, you know, we call it personal devotion. And it is an expression of our devotion to God. But, and this is not a guilt trip. Are you in the Word? If not, you know what? There's a throne of grace. You can repent of that. You can run to Him, ask for strength, and pour into His Word and expect to have to fight for it. It takes some fight to develop a new habit. But to be spiritually healthy, you need the Word He's given you in your heart, rightly interpreted with Christ at the center and people helping you to do that. So you not only need it privately, you need it publicly. The word talked and preached taught and preached in the context of the local church. And notice in our text the the error was overcome by the word written, by the word taught, preached, through fallible people whom God used as instruments to protect and build up his church and make them ready to respond to error tons of error out there today the only thing that will deliver you is god's truth and if you know god's truth think about i've used this illustration before tellers bank tellers how do they know what counterfeit is well you have pens and stuff you can write on them these days right you take shortcut old school they knew every nook and cranny of a real bill they knew how it felt they knew how it smelled they knew all the lines on it they knew what to look for And so that when a a counterfeit bill would come across, the feel was off. Oh, look is off. It doesn't have this characteristic. If you are familiar with the Word of God, when error comes at you, you'll be able to quickly say, "Hmm, that's unbalanced. That's not biblical. You're skipping some stuff. You're picking stuff out of context. The truth will discern the error. God by His Spirit working in you through His Word will build you up and protect you. So the truth was written. It was taught. It was preached by Judas, Silas, Paul, and Barnabas and many others, many long sermons. So we are responsible before God to rightly handle His Word. Let me give you a couple more things and I'm done. Preachers are to preach the Word to you. If you're in somewhere where somebody's not preaching the Word, they just read it to begin with and they skip off into some cool story. If you get the flair that they're trying to entertain you, go somewhere else. Kids, learn this early. Church is not about entertainment. No case for boring preachers. But it's a place where we come to know Jesus and learn learn in Him and learn to grow. And your preachers should be preaching the Word to you. 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 3, where Paul is charging Timothy. This is the last letter Paul will ever write, and he's passing the baton on to him, and he challenges him before God. You can read that in verse 1. To preach the Word. Now watch. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Those things are hard because not everybody likes that for the time is coming notice this is Paul saying way back first century the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching oh it's here but having itching ears they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions paul is telling timothy no ahead of time not a lot of everybody's not going to love the truth but your responsibility is not to entertain and cater to unbelieving hearts and minds. Your responsibility is to preach the Word and to trust God to take it, to correct, to repuve, rebuke, and exhort to faithfulness in Christ. And he said earlier in that same book in 2.15, do your best or study, study, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling, rightly interpreting the word of truth. So, study, work at it, be taught about it. Seminary is biblical. And it's needed. It just needs to be godly instruction. And not other things. So he's telling Timothy to work hard. To work at it. To rightly handle the word. And then preach and teach. Rightly handling the word. So that God's people are protected. And instructed. And built up. And grown in grace. Don't cater to itching ears. Glorify God. And preach His word. And I pray that none of us have itching ears that would cause us to stray and just store up teachers that we like, that make us feel good, that we enjoy, so that we're told how good we are and how it's all about us and we can have everything and all of that. No, Timothy, you preach the Word. So wherever you are, find a church and find pastors who will preach the Word and hold you accountable to the Word, feed you with the Word. And then as hearers receive the Word, treat it as the Word of God. Work to hear, remember, examine what is preached. Through prayer ahead of time. Preparation ahead of time. Expectation. When you come to church, come expecting to hear from God. Now, God is not standing here. But hopefully the Lord will use the person as an instrument to Rightly teach the Word of God to you. So come expecting to hear. Come expecting to be challenged. Come expecting to be stretched. Come expecting to be encouraged and taught. Whatever God knows is necessary in each individual heart. Honestly, I have some people come up to me sometimes and say, you know, when you said this, I was so blessed and encouraged by that. And I know in my heart I never said that. So I don't know what God's up to in that place. But a lot of times it's really biblical stuff. and not, But I didn't say it. I don't tell them that. Unless it's error. And I'm like, I didn't say that. But come expecting to hear God and be diligent listener. Take notes. I'm not a note taker. Become one. If you can remember the sermon without notes, don't take notes. If tomorrow you can remember the sermon and you didn't take notes, you're good. If you can't, everything... Because you know what? You're responsible. I'm not trying to mess you up or get you not to come back. You're responsible for everything you hear. Be diligent to receive the Word of God. Look, Mark 4.24, Jesus said to them in the context of the parables, pay careful attention to what you hear and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you and still more will be added to you. Those who have received more, you get out of it what you put into it in one sense. Right? Right? But we're responsible for everything that we hear. And the Bereans knew this. Look quickly, Acts 17, 11. These Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And it says more of them believed later. So that's the pattern for us. Receive the word with all eagerness, but then compare it to the Scriptures. Don't just take my word for it. I'm not glorified yet. You may need to correct me at some point. And I need to be open to that. If I've said something that's wrong. This is the standard. So receive the word with eagerness. And then compare it with the scriptures. And if you have questions, ask them. But see, that's the, that's the attitude God speaks highly of as we, we as andrew prayed tremble at his word we take it seriously we want to know and understand it and then we 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 come and we're willing to examine scripture to see if it's true see the believers in antioch were eager to read they were eager to hear good teaching and preaching they treasured god's word they had men who were teaching them the word and god used both his word and their teachers to build them up in His church, and to protect them from error. And really, I'm calling on myself, I'm calling on you to treasure the Word. Why should we treasure the Word? Because the Word treasured us. The incarnate Word. Jesus is the Word in flesh. He's loving God in the flesh. He's glorifying God in the flesh. He's fulfilling all righteousness in the flesh. The incarnate Word, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the God-man was born to the Virgin Mary. He took to Himself a true human nature. So being both God and man, He lived in fulfillment of His own law, providing a righteousness for His people. He died to pay the penalty for our sins. To reconcile us to God. He took wrath on the cross due us. And He drank that cup dry. He took our hell upon Himself on that cross. Jesus treasured His Father. He treasured His people. He lived in fulfillment to the Word because He loved the Father and loved the Word. And He died to pay the penalty for our sins. Because unbelievable as it is, He treasures us. And the proper response to His love and grace is to treasure Him. To believe Him. To live for Him. To treasure His Word. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He was buried and He was raised from the grave the third day. Resurrection proving it all true. So that we might turn from ourself and our sins and trust in Him. And receive everlasting life. Receive forgiveness. Receive a righteous standing before God. Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone for the salvation of your soul this morning? God commands you to. Acts 17, 13, 31. I'll let you read it. He sacrificed His Son for us. But man, the cross should make us treasure Christ, shouldn't it? Delight in Him. Him be our delight. His Word be our delight. Taking life seriously in Him. Being able to growingly say, for me to live is Christ. And to die as gain. Written by the Apostle Paul who's there ministering in Antioch. So God put it in writing. He protected and grew His church. And that's what we need. He has provided His Word to be read and taught. So trust Him. Love Him. Honor Him. Know Him. All from His gracious gift to us in His Word. Treasure His Word and long sermons. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your love for us. Thank You that the Father sent the Son to live for, die for, be raised for His people. Thank You that salvation is a free gift. just exactly as what was preserved for the Gentiles in, the, in Acts chapter 15. That You so loved the world that You gave Your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Help us to trust You. I pray for those who are in the room that who aren't Christians, that You'd help to s- them to see how far short of keeping Your law they fall. How great their sin problem is. How much they need a Savior. And show them the mercy of God available in Christ so that they turn and trust in Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation. Help those of us who know you to be refreshed and renewed in love for you by your gospel. Trusting you. Resting in you. Running to your throne of grace. Treasuring your word. More than we do the riches of this world. More than we do the rich foods of this world. More than we do. Because through it we know You. And rest in You. Thank You for saving us. We could not save ourselves. Thank You for a perfect Savior. Thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us faith to trust. Faith to rest. And then faith to pursue a knowledge of You and Your Word. Protect us and grow us in Christ Jesus, Your Son, through the Word that You've provided. We give You praise and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.